This is a HeadGum Podcast. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to transportation. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. I'm so excited to bring you this episode um, with Isaac Mizrahi. You can go to the Jewish Museum and see an unruly history. It's called Isaac Mizrahi, an unruly history. It's there through August 7th. Um, I don't know why it's called an unruly history, except I do know that he didn't name it that. You may also see his fashion wares on QVC, which I have not seen. Um, but I did have fun seeing him during our interview, which was recorded live at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. Hope you enjoy it. And I'm going to put on LazarusRising.com um, some of the photos. So you're not like, what, is, what are they referring to? Who are these people? Um, so you can go there and see them after you hear our interview. Enjoy. I did want to also hear about like being a Sephardic Jew because whenever someone compliments me and tell, I think it's like a, makes me feel more ethnic. So I'll mm. say like, oh yes, I am, but I'm not. Tell me about being um, Syrian Jews. Well, it's a lot like being a Jew. Yeah. Except you have this other layer of kind of, you know, of anomaly. Yeah. You know? And skin color. Actually, I once, I, want, I had a really great day. I went to the glass house, you know, that fabulous house up there by, oh, Philip Johnson, oh, you know. Wow. And he said this thing to me. He said, oh, you're a Sephardic Jew. You're a Syrian Jew. You get to root for who was ever winning that moment, you know. You get to root for the Jews sometimes or the Arabs, whoever's winning that day, you know. Yeah, you can be Jewish and Arab, actually. Yes, you can. Yeah. I am. I'm Arab and Jewish at the same time. So, and it is very anomalous and it's strange. And, you know, culturally, it's very much like um, being Jewish. My husband, is not, <laughs> my husband is not Jewish. My husband, who I love so much, Arnold, he's Puerto Rican. Yeah. And, um, and he was very romantically one night. He knows I really love gardenias, right? This is a very good story to illustrate what it's like being, well, a Jew and a Sephardic Jew. And he bought me this big plant, this big gardenia plant. And I walked in and I said, oh my God, beautiful. But you know, it's gonna die because gardenias are really hard to keep. I tried to do, you know, I tried to do this. And he was like, oh, that's so nice and romantic. Thank you, it's beautiful and it's gonna die. What a great thing. Then, <laughs> then my mom came over to dinner. I swear this happened. And she said, oh, gardenias, I love gardenias. But you know, it's gonna die. She's, and he looked and he was like, I will never, ever, like, you know, sort of think of you as this person ever again because you get it. It's the DNA, right? Yes. No, you bring a plant, a house plant. Yeah. No, a gardenia is a really hard thing to grow. It's impossible. They always <laughs> die. I'm sorry. No, I know. Gardenia but plants, you bring them out, you take them in. That's inside, outside. They just don't it's grow. It's too much work. It is. Speaking of too much work, that's a great transition to your childhood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you kept getting kicked out again and again from yeshiva? Yeah, yes. Um, Any yeshiva people in the room? No yeshiva people. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. 
um, I wanted I wanted to hear a little bit because um, you were in therapy since age eight. You're That's an right. early adopter for our generation. That's right. Absolutely. Um, was it helpful? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big advocate for therapy. And I say, you know, start early, like anything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Start early. Because it gives you this fantastic perspective on it, and then you like can't live without it, you know? It's true. Speaking of not being able to live without, another thing I loved in Unzipped, this fabulous film about you. Um, you're as an adult in a bubble bath talking to your mom. But wait, could I just tell you something? Yeah, Back yeah. to therapy. I'm like, yeah. is she talking? I'm sorry, because yeah. I just had this yes, vision. Yes, it's hard to, I know, imagine someone else in the room. No, right, I'm sorry. But, I know. Um, <laughs> no, uh, speaking of therapists, right, I do think it's a great thing. And when yeah. I was, get this, there are a few things that they say you're going to regret that are, it's such bullshit. Like, it's such bullshit. I had a really good, I paid for therapy when I was in college myself, and I didn't tell anybody I was going. That's crazy, right? I sold sketches, and I sold puppets and things I sewed, Yeah. and I made all this money, and I paid for the therapist. Like, you'd think I'd go out and buy, like, a a, a car or something, you know? But I went to the therapist. You're in New York. This is, like, what everyone does, Yeah. pay for the therapist. No, but I had to, because I was gay, and I didn't know what to do, and it was a different time, and he kind of coached me through how I was going to tell everybody, right? And he told me, don't tell your father, right? Which you would think is really bad advice, but it was great advice, okay? (laughs) And, you know, my dad died when I was really young, and I never told him. And I do not regret it at all. And I don't understand why I'm supposed to regret that. I, you know, it's funny. I remember reading Carly Simon's book. Yeah. And she talked about, like, once her mom died, she felt free on stage. Yeah, it's kind of true. Well, I mean, God, don't say that. Yeah, it's I true. I just did. You did, exactly. And, um, <laughs> but oh, I, what I love learning about your family is that it was extremely close in, in many ways. So there's a, <laughs> there's a part in Unzipped where you're talking to your yeah. mom on the phone mm-hmm. and you're in a bubble, in a bubble bath. bath. Right. Like, mm-hmm. So just tell me, like, can, it gave me maybe a question, want to think about um, boundaries. Well, it makes me cringe. It makes me cringe to think of myself in a bubble bath talking to my mom, you know? And yet... It's great that you can talk to your mom when you're in a bubble bath. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't having phone sex with my mom. I was no. telling her my problems, no. and I happened to be in a, in, a, in a bubble bath, right? I thought of it more as that you just have this extremely close relationship with her, oh, and I, I wondered if yeah. there was room for other yeah, people in yeah. your life. And it does seem kind of, <laughs> it does seem kind of ridiculous to be, to be doing something so relaxing as having a bubble bath, and then something so not relaxing as talking to your mother on the phone <laughs> at the same time, right? Um, but yeah, you know what? Um, I guess at that time, I didn't have a lot of room for other people in my life, except the guy I was dating who made that movie, right? Unbelievable. I know, yeah. I know. And that's what the access was about. Like, oh, he was in the bathroom taking, you know, shooting me while I was on the phone with my mom, and I didn't think twice about it, you know? It, it felt very real in a way that I, I, I just encourage people to see Unzipped if you haven't seen it. Um, and, and part of it is the accessibility um, that you deliver, and part of it is the, the beautiful shots that he also... I know. He was great. He was. He, he yes. was. I talk about him like he's dead. He's not dead. He's just not my boyfriend anymore. No, you've mo- mo- moved on. I did also want to ask about, like, selling when you were young. I mean, yeah. you know, it's one thing to kind of design and do puppet shows and, mm. and do things like that, but how did you know how to sell stuff? I know your father was in retail, um, but how did you know to go and, and, and I didn't. sell? I honestly didn't. I, I knew how to make clothes, and I had yeah. this friend, Sarah, and we had a company together, and she took us to places like Sharavari, 
You don't remember that place, do you, Charavar? And other places in New York, a little store called Lonia. There were a few stores in New York that carried this stuff. But like, what did you say when and you walked in? I was in? like 14 years old. Yeah. I didn't say much. I just held up, you know, hangers with clothes on them. Can I just say, this is the saddest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay? <laughs> it was the only candle that Joe's pub has been in my pathetic. backpack for a that while. Really I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I have a plastic fork. Let me bring that. You can take it home with you. This is why no, you don't okay. just do a cabaret show. This is why right. you, have you have a fashion a line. Exactly. Um, sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to change the subject. You can, you can change it any way you like. <laughs> yeah, this is for you, Isaac. Well, thanks. Isaac. No, it's not. SNS. Um, okay. So <laughs> I want to talk about you went from Yeshiva to LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get to be in the movie Fame? Because I have a lot of friends who went to LaGuardia, but they weren't in Fame. Here's oh. a, this, I hope, is you. What if this isn't you? That is me. Okay, good. Yeah. And if you've seen Fame, you remember that moment, right? Or not. Because it was like, you know, three little tiny quick cuts of that yeah. monologue. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I somehow went to Performing Arts High School from Yeshiva. I had a really good teacher in eighth grade who really understood that I shouldn't go to Yeshiva anymore. She yeah. got it, right? <laughs> And she helped me convince my parents to let me go to this school. And she helped me audition for the school. And then I got in. And then I went to the school for four years. And it was the best thing ever, 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 ever. And I really am an advocate for arts education. And it was a different time. It was a very small school. And it was in the middle of Times Square. Now it's on the west side. I can't imagine coming from Brooklyn. You this can't. small, like, little insular community to go you in can't. to Times Square in the 70s. Well, just taking the subway from Brooklyn to like at 13 or whatever, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. For an hour and walking for so long from my mother's house to the subway. Like, it was a different world. And then the city was basically like a giant garbage heap. It just was, right? Yeah. A filthy, amazing garbage heap is what it was. Yeah. And that's where you studied acting. Acting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And cut class a lot and... It was great. It was the best four years of my life. That's sad that my life has gone downhill since then. That's, well, I'm going to um, show no, a little clip of when your career was at its... Uh-oh. Um, no, I mean, what? it's incredible. Okay, this what? Is, I hope this is of you. That's not me. Yeah. I've never seen that person before. It's his father. <laughs> um, but we're going to show a, a little picture. clip from the beginning. <laughs> we're just going to stare gonna at it. You're going to show a clip? Yeah. Oh, okay, here we go. Since making his professional debut in 1988, the New Yorker has scored big among both critics and fans alike. I'm thrilled to present the Perry Ellis Award for New Fashion to my friend Isaac Mizrahi. <laughs> you have to love the, the idea of creation more than you love the idea of... Uh, you know, a great deal of publicity or becoming a star or making a million dollars. You know, I'm not in, you know, I'm not in it for any of those reasons. I'm in it just because I love designing clothes and conceiving a look for a season and presenting a collection that way. Only a year later, Ms. Rahi's collections were winning him raves once more. And the Council of Fashion Designers of America awarded him the prize as Women's Wear Designer of the Year. I think it should be called the, um... Happiest, luckiest designer of the year. Lux 
seems to be running with Mizrahi, and two years later, his collections have won him the Women's Wear Designer Award again, and the boy hasn't even reached 30 yet. Mostly, I focus on like the creation of the clothes as I imagine them, as I, as I want them, and then the response comes afterwards. Way too long. Way too long. That was you. It was me, yeah. Um, yeah. What? I mean, it's incredible to have so much success so young. Um, was it good not to have to even think about it as such, that it just sort of happened? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I wasn't prepared. Yeah. And no one's ever really prepared. Because Sigourney Weaver, okay, that was Sigourney Weaver, right? Here's a story, you ready? <laughs> I made her a We're dress. We're already at six. No, that was Liza, and I made her that dress, yeah. and she wore it, right, to give me the award. So I got, Sigourney Weaver was assigned to me, right, a few years later, and I made her a dress, and I got to the show, and she wasn't wearing it. It was some Armani thing, you noticed, right? No, and, I um, had no idea. I saw that, I was wondering. <laughs> when you yeah. can afford these fancy cakes like this, you have no idea well, it whether an it's Armani, Armani dress, or not. And she made up something about like being pregnant or something that didn't fit her or whatever. And I just thought, you know what, that is so, imagine, like you couldn't call in advance and yeah. say, yeah. But then I was at a party and I met the most fabulous person, Lauren Bacall, right? Who happened to be wearing that same dress that night at the CFDA, like someone at Armani did not make a call or something to Lauren Bacall. So she was wearing the same dress as Sigourney Weaver. So I said to Mrs. Bacall, I said, oh my God, of course you were wearing the same dress as Sigourney Weaver. And everybody in the room just like froze. <laughs> but then she went, ah, ha, ha, ha. And everybody laughed. They thought I was being really funny. That's, I, I wasn't being funny. If it makes you feel better, I'm not wearing Armani. Right, exactly, okay. And I almost wore that dress. I am this year. Yeah. This, uh, these, these cufflinks are Armani. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm dead. I'm dead. One of, one of the many wonderful things you, you did with your um, line and, and business was that you had truly diverse models. And that was actually yeah. like a new thing at the time. I mean, it, everyone talks about it as the time of supermodels. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was that you actually had um, models of all different sizes and ethnicities, and it was really mm -hmm. kind of magical growing up then. Was that, I I, was so. that conscious or? No, no, it was completely instinctual and just like it was happening. I needed to have it to be that way. Um, yeah. I like flesh. You know, I don't like when models get too thin. I really don't. I don't think you can have, I don't think your legs are beautiful if you're too thin. If you lose so much weight, your legs go. That's been know? my whole reason the, this whole time. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what I've, I've been focused oh, wow. on mainly. I mean it. And I noticed that the girls now, the supermodels or the models now, the really young ones are so tall. They're so tall. That growth hormone, hormone, hormone tall, you know? Yeah. And their legs are just like that. Their legs look like that, right? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't think they're cute, their legs. Whose legs? I have very good legs. Oh, hey now. <laughs> and, and look, hairless, hairless legs. Why, why are your legs hairless? I don't are know. you a swimmer? I, I was, yes, but I was born hairless. I, don't, I, I have a little <laughs> hair in the appropriate areas, but no, no hair on my legs. <laughs> and yes, I'm a swimmer. It's funny you should bring that up. Okay. This is such a great transition to um, asking you about what does it mean when a company goes public? 
like in 2012, your company went public? Well, what did that you know, mean? actually there's another thing that they say you're never supposed to do and you'll regret if you sell your name. Yeah. I have no regrets, okay? So you are not technically, you don't own the name Isaac Mizrahi anymore? Well, I own a lot of shares in the company that does own it. So okay, so you I can borrow of, it for like your passport or how does it work? I don't have to borrow it. I could probably use it. Let, okay. They encourage me to use it, you know, and I okay. kinda, I'm the design director of my brand. But now, like, it's a bigger concern. It's a bigger company that owns a few other brands. See what I mean? And I... I am dandy gelatine, as I like to say. It's like I have a lot of shares in the company, so. Okay, so yeah. it was financially worth it. Well, yes, hopefully someday, okay. you know. But, um, but, but it's also good to have a lot of shares in something, because you could write to someone and say like, hey, listen, I have a lot of shares, so if you don't agree with me, I'll take it to the board. And they go like, okay, okay, fine, fine. You know? And then they'll do what, do what you yeah, want. Yeah, kind of, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, the well, other, maybe, maybe sometimes. But the, I really wanted to talk about your relationship with Mark Morris. Okay. Um, you guys have been friends for so long. You've done work together on so many of his productions. Yes. Um, I, I don't know what to call it because it just seems like such a tender, and I don't mean romantic, but just like it, this really tender um, relationship between mm -hmm. two brilliant, brilliant artists. Um, well, thank you, and it is. It is a very tender relationship, I mean that. And it's never been sexual, and it's never been like romantic in that way, but it is romantic to me. I think it's a good word to use to describe yeah. it. And, um, and I love working with him because he's, his work is so great. I never not like, I de never don't like his work. And I work with a few choreographers, and the ones I work with I really like, you know. But with him, it's a kind of unspoken thing. And, um, and, you know, I always, I think, you know, since he is the auteur, I like to kind of, what's the word? Like, I'm never afraid to suggest things, but he shoots them down a lot, you know? But maybe that's good for someone like you who also has a strong personality to yeah. just have no... No, no, it's great because it's not my responsibility in that case. Yeah. He, is the, he is the maker of that. He is the top. He is like the, the creative top, yeah. right? And, and you're I just the bottom. Kind of like serve, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. I have a actually one night in like the '90s before they made up Grinder, there was this thing called the Sex Line, I think it was called, and you would call at three o'clock in the morning and beep to like different callers. And one night I got on the phone with somebody. I was like, oh, you know, that sounds good. You know, we were talking about what we would do and what we looked like and the measurements of everything, right? And then it's, he sounded familiar, and I said, and it was like, you live on where? And he was like, I live on 28th. And I was like, Mark. And it was like, who's this? It was Mummy. <laughs> Out of hundreds and hundreds of callers, I got Mark Morris. Yeah. I promise that happened. You can ask anyone. Well, no one would know, but the next day I went to, he told his entire company, like in the middle of class, and I'll, can I have your attention, please, last night? And then he told the story. And then he moved to Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> well, now he like is right in the middle of Brooklyn. Like yeah. he got that building 20 years ago or something. And, and it was like, an, it was literally like an, uh, how you, it's like his oasis. There was nothing around him. It was just the building. And now it's like yeah. towers everywhere you look. I know. I see it every day. Yeah. Um, this is you. Oh, wait, let's go back. Um, oh, I hate that picture. That's the worst picture. Oh, there we this go. This one. Okay, you look there gorgeous there. I wouldn't yes. worry. So I guess fashion does breed a lot of um, 
Well, that looks better. Security. That was, you know, 30 pounds ago or something, right? Yeah. Um, so that's you guys doing Frog and Toad, I think? <laughs> when you did the... Did, did you... That's, no, we you didn't do Frog... Did you, you were know who just did that? there. No, no. We may have been yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Adrian Lobel, who that's works who with is. us... Yeah designed it and made it. She made that show. And that's you with Isabella Rossellini and Baryshnikov. Right. That's right. That's um, right. Oh, Isabella Rossellini and Baryshnikov. But it's just interesting because I think sometimes you'll see people who are sort of famous together because they're famous, but it mm -hmm. feels like you guys sort of grew up together in many ways that you, you became you know, famous at the same time. Well, we, we, we've known each other for a really long time. Yeah. And, um, and it does feel like we've grown up together in some ways. And there's a friendship. You know, yeah. there's a real friendship. And I treasure it. I really do. I love it. And I, and I always wait for him to, come, to call me and say, oh, I'm working on something. I'd like you to do the costumes again. We recently did something at ABT this last year that was beautiful. And, you know, speaking of tender, there were a lot of moments when, like, it was a struggle, you know, because... What was it in particular well, was a struggle? you know, struggle? not with us, but, like, you know, working in a company, it's not that easy to adapt. Someone like Mark Morris, who is so strong and such an author, you know, to adapt to any other company than his own. Because he has these incredible dancers that he works with every day. And if he goes, hmm, they know exactly what he means. You know? So for him to adapt to ABT, and they have their ways and oh, I... schedules, and it's tight, and it was summer and hot. And... It's ballet. Ballet, yeah. Very strict. Exactly, yes, yes. Um, I also, there's another production you did, not with Mark, but I just wanted to show people so they could see the illustrations. And they can go up to the Jewish Museum um, right. well, to see a better. Mark. Better. Oh, this is his. Okay, yeah, good. That's but those Morris. are your drawings, that's correct? That's my drawings, yeah. Those are not, not yes. uh, his drawings. And that was an opera called Plate, which had all his dancers and a really fabulous cast, right? And there was loads of dancing, and it was great orchestra, and it was Covent Garden. You know, it was a co-commission in Covent Garden. And, um, and it was very easy to work on that. It was very, very, very easy to work on that. It, there, was no, there were no struggles. It was just pure heaven. Fabulous. Pure heaven, yeah. Do you like choreographing sometimes you, and directing? Cause I, I like directing. I've yeah. never choreographed. Okay. I would never do that. But I've directed a couple of things, and I like it a lot. And I remember reading once that I you love were, were going to direct the, yeah. I think, the Extra Man or something? What, that I was have? supposed to, yeah. yeah. Jonathan I, Ames. Jonathan Ames, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope someone knows him and goes home and calls him and tells him that I shaded him or whatever, trash-talked him a little bit. Because, yeah, I mean, we had this great... Keep script, going. Ready to go. <laughs> and then he didn't give us another. We would right on the edge. I was supposed to do it like Christine Vachon was producing. Mm -hmm. We were just on the edge of raising all the money and everything. And then he decided he didn't like the script enough. And he wanted to write it himself. So he took it. And they made that mess. Did you see that terrible movie? Sorry, it's terrible. It would have been really good if I'd made it. Really good. Someone call Jonathan. Go on. You can tell him I'm still really bitter. If I'm bitter about one thing, it's that. Is that true? Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Well, I'm. I'm. Um. I, it's interesting <laughs> for me to find out that even when you can be so successful, that these things also happen. That you may not hear back oh, on the script. Oh, they only happen. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's all that happens. Everyone's life is so miserable. Again, a gardenia plant <laughs> is beautiful, but it's going to die. Okay. <laughs> And I hope that makes you feel better for one second. I love Savor that. it because. Um, what is going to make me feel better is when you go back to performing. And I, um, Les yeah. Mis Rahi, is that? Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Les Mis Rahi. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. That's you. 
That's a, that's a lot of costuming, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but it's it was a good showbiz. show. It was a good yeah. show, I'm telling you. It was a good show. And it's, it's I, I, you know, the thing is that um, I have to say, like having worked on that show, it was great. The best thing is to do cabaret. The best thing is to do Joe's Pub or Carlisle or something, right? Because you just get to actually show up. And if you have a good band, you feel very well supported. Hey, thanks. And um, I like the double entendre of well supported exactly. for them in Unitars. See? <laughs> Too See, supported. Always thinking, always thinking. Because I'm thinking for your 50th birthday, darling. Okay, yeah. forget it. Um, but, um, but yeah, you feel supported. And you could just, like, sort of, if something happens in the room, there's no lying. You just, it happens. I love this. Me too. There are no lighting cues, really, you know? Um, Isaac, now you have this QVC show yeah. um, on Mondays. You have this beautiful retrospective of your work yeah. at the Jewish Museum. Um, I think you're working on a film or something like that? Or I is am. That? I'm okay. working on a film. I'm working on a lot of things. And a memoir. Um, a memoir. That's you- right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. What am I going to do? That's, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. It made me think a little bit about Joan Rivers. <laughs> yeah. You kind of remind me Loved a little her. bit. Here's a picture of you <sighs> Joan um, is the with her. Best. Oh, what about that? And Oscar de la Renta. Yeah. They are both dead, okay? <laughs> I have a little time on those two, but I love her. She was the yeah. best, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. you worship Joan Rivers? Uh, beyond. And also, I think that film Joan. was so phenomenal in showing her work And it ethic. feels like she died yesterday, doesn't it? Yeah. Which one? Piece of Work? Or what was it called? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. that's a great movie. It's unbelievable. She had so much um, love and worked so hard. And um, it, you really kind of remind me of her in all these wonderful I ways. Do? Yeah, because she just Hooray. kept going. You know, she yeah, just kept exactly. going no matter mm. what. And I wanted to give you some gifts. I know that you're a fashion icon, and I thought, what more fashionable than a um, Park Slope co-op bag? I love the bag. Um, I thought that you could use the Park Slope food co-op bag. I like it. Um, Russ and Daughters um, has (gasps) brought you some Ruggla and... um, Well, wait, can I just say one thing? If you are going to go to the Jewish Museum to see my show, there is now a Russ and Daughters in the play. And and in fact, when your mom went, what was the thing that she loved most about the exhibit? Oh, no, no. I was on the phone telling her about the opening because she's 90 90 years old and she couldn't come. She was like, it took me me a day to figure out how to get her into the museum. And finally, you know, it's like, I was telling her about it on the on the night that it happened or the day after. I was like, oh, it was so great. So great. And the thing she said to me after this long description, she said, whoever thought of putting a Russ and Daughters in that is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got you Michelangelo socks because you're you. a real artist. Oh, I love those. Um, those and are nice. I'm giving you this, but this is a treasured love. Oh, the price tag's even better on it. Oh, look. Um, Dita Von, Dita Von Tees is, um, I, I think of her as an icon and I just I love too. her. It's very random that you would give me this though. You know why I gave that to you? Because, because I heard you, you talking about her. Because you got it in a gift bag and no, you didn't no. want it. Okay? Uh, no, I love it. That's why. Okay. Do you know that you in my show... You can leave it because I love wait it. Wait a minute. In my show, in my cabaret show, I do regifting. So next oh. time you see it on the But bill. then don't take it because I actually no, like, worship it. No, I'm regifting this, obviously. But no, I'm kidding. I love Dita Von Tees, so I You had talked about her in an interview and that's why I, I, I love brought it. Oh, you so can't sweet. even remember. You're so sweet. Um, and a journal. I love this. A journal? I can There's see... A I can't believe you're... Beautiful. I mean, that is major, right? Look at that. Did your, did your um, siblings, did they feel like they got enough attention? My siblings. Yeah, your sisters. Of course they did. Are you okay, kidding good. me? They were so normal. They got a lot of attention. Okay, good. Yeah. I can just see you taking Why? it all. No, no. It was the opposite in a way. It was always <laughs> somewhere, you know, like making something or 
involved in your work and your work yeah, set you free yeah. in that and way. Yeah, and they were like kids. You know, they were incredibly great in school and I love them. They're great girls. They're yeah. also really religious. They're so religious. Well, so it kind of locks me out in a lot of, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like not the I definitely do. First. But we love each other and we navigate it beautifully, I think. That's what I love about your family is that you navigate the complexity. And what I love about your work life is that you're like, yeah, I do all these different things. Maybe I don't have one job. I do a ton of different things. And I, I really think you've paved the way for so many people in doing so. Oh. Yeah. You mean like, you mean like um, Kanye West? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. When I think about you, I think about Kanye West. Don't, don't. I love Kanye West. I do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love Kanye West. Uh, we believe you. I identify as Kanye West now. <laughs> um, Isaac, I, I want to thank you so much for doing thank the show. You. We're going to give you your um, award um, because I know you Damn have to, to run off, but I was so happy to have you here. Is Liza here to give me the award or Sigourney Even Weaver? Even oh. Katie oh. Lazarus is here. Woo-hoo. Not in Armani. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. Thank, thank you. You guys, please give a warm welcome and thank you. Warm welcome. Warm welcome. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much to Nick Rad and HeadGum. Thanks to all of you for listening. And if you are in New York, the season finale, Thursday, May 19th, Patty Lapone, Titus Burgess, Brian Kobelman, and hopefully you. It's going to be a blowout show. Super fun. Hope to see you there. Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. You can follow me at Katie Lazarus for updates and go to employeeofthemonthshow.com um, to find out about tickets. And otherwise, keep on listening. We're here every Wednesday. Okay, enjoy. I mean, we're technically here every single day of the week, but you can you can really just download a new episode every Wednesday. You knew that. Okay, I knew you knew that. I believe in you. Just faith. Have faith. Have faith. Keep the faith. Or just be, just listen. That was a HeadGum Podcast.